Welcome to It Can Be Said. My name is Will Calling. I'm joined as always by the one, the only, Dr. Luke Miller. How are you today, Luke? I'm very well, thanks, Will. But, Will, I have to say this. More in anger than in sorrow. Go for all the good you have done, for the love of God. Go! Also, also not to be a pedant, and I know John Eldridge has pointed this out before, but it's not Leo Avery's quote, it's Oliver Cromwell's quote. Leo Avery was just quoting Cromwell. Well, now here's the thing. Here's what I will say to this point. Yeah. One, I think Davis, didn't Davis change the quotes and see for any good you did is the original yeah, quote? Any, yeah, the, uh, the original quote was for all the good you've done, for the love of God, go. Oh, name we changed it. Yeah. So, so actually, Davis really was quoting Cromwell. I do think, though, and this is something that we said to our friend John Vier, um offline, well, not offline, we're doing it off on WhatsApp, which is online, but not on the yeah, podcast. We were, also coordina- we were also coordinating a coup, because as far <laughs> as I'm aware from political journalism, that's all WhatsApp is used for. <laughs> but um, the, the, the reality is, is Davis very much situated his remarks in the context of the Norway debate. So, like, he was clearly quoting... Yeah, the armory. So, like, yeah, you know, but it's just—it's just, it's, you, you are. I, I know it's a good pedantic point, but like, you are obscuring the truth. Anyway, let we'll get on to that. We'll yeah. get on to that. And How also, you, I'm, I'm feeling good today, well, because it was the first time I've done an in-person lecture in almost two years. And you know what? I realised I miss an audience. I'm a drama queen. Well, that's what we're like, here for, Luke. I like, I like the perform, I like the performative side. I like the performative side of teaching. I really missed it. Good for you. How are you, Simon? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm good. I am. No, I. I haven't had an audience, so maybe that explains my general feeling of malaise. But other than that, I'm all right. Excellent. And we are going to start with. Boris Johnson. Is Boris, um, John- is Boris Johnson fine, Luke? I wouldn't say he's fine. I'm saying I would say he's looking a hell of a lot better today than he was this time yesterday. But you just want to just want to catch the audience up to where we are in the story. Well, Boris Johnson did a very silly thing. He did many silly things, and then he decided he would not be fully. Uh, truthful or fulsome about the actuality to uh, to inverse an old Alan, Alan Clark quote. And uh, then people started to tell what actually happened. And Boris Johnson looked a very foolish, dishonest person. So he came to the House of Commons where he, um, on the advice of his lawyers, um, apologised for mistakes that other people had made. And then he told the Sunday newspapers that those people would be fired. So they responded by leaking more shit that everybody had been doing. And that really annoyed Boris Johnson. And so whilst he was overwrought, um, one may say, he said to a nice lady on Sky News, rah, 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 other people's fault, rah, 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 rah. I did not know the rules that I had imposed and I was telling people to follow. And that ba- made him basically, look the, even basically more the least 
basically the least sincere and convincing apology since Justin Bieber's Sorry. Which is a good song. I, 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 but a very I, insincere apology. I will, I will, despite myself, unwillingly, like one of those soldiers who had a, like another soldier behind them with a bayonet on the on the Russian front in World War Two. I will die on that hill. Um, <laughs> um, that that is a good song. But yes, yeah, so but a shit ass apology. But Boris Johnson, bit of a plonker, bit of a cad. Which yeah, and if you want more detail, if you want more details on all the on all the, in, on all the individual um, mistakes that were made, you can listen to our previous podcast. Yes, because we actually caught the Prince Philip one just 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 before. Yeah, and we we also talked about the individual part, some of the parties as well. There are too many parties to deal with all of them. And we don't know all the parties yet. Like that, I am no. I'm in a firm belief. I think the, the revelations we missed in the last podcast were that wine, wine o'clock Fridays became a regular thing, that a wine fridge was installed in 10 Downing Street. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, what well, I mean, obviously, Simon. I, mean, my, big... my, I gotta say, I gotta say, my favorite was a story that I think was in the mail and it's been picked up by a couple of other outlets as well. Where, Downing Street offered to carve out an exception to the social distancing rules for Prince Philip's funeral. And the Queen said no, because she thought it was important to set a good example. Well, yes. I mean, the monarch, the Queen being a better judge of public mood than Boris Johnson is probably not a uh, is probably not a surprise. But yeah, but you you know, you know the flunky in St. James's Palace that leaked that was thinking. Yeah, I've bought at least another 30 years for the, th- <laughs> for the firm now, lads. Well done. Um, so, Simon... Wait, Luke, 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 Luke. I, I had a segue that I was trying to Sorry. do. Um, so, Simon, as a fan of Roy Jenkins, um, I'm sure you approve of the uh, wine fridge going into <laughs> then Downing Street. Like, so, actually, there's a load of stuff that is problematic here, and I think it, it oh, does sorry, not... Sam, look- can, I, can I just say... Luke is still laughing at that segue that he tried to stop me deliver. I mean, I... I, (laughs) Sorry, the the question I've got is... You can tell I'm not a wine drinker by asking this question, but isn't a wine fridge just a fridge? I mean... It's a a certain dimension. It's going to be a certain dimension, and presumably, I don't know, because obviously my wine just goes in my regular fridge. Has it got some plastic? It'll have, it'll have... It'll have bottles. It'll be specifically the oh, size okay. and have bottle, yeah, I assume. That makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. Makes so, sense. like, I am also not a wine drinker, but I, I do care about storing alcohol. So, like, a wine fridge, it's more narrower than a normal fridge, and they'll have more trays to fit the wines on top. Okay. I mean, Sorry. Anyway, I... Simon, as a token lefty, how much fun are you having right now? Well, I mean, I am having a lot of fun. And I'm a lefty PM, too, kind of. PMQs no, have are... been PMQs has been really enjoyable for the last couple of weeks, which is a thing that is is very rarely true. Um, I think the thing I've really enjoyed, to be honest, is like PMQs is always a strange event, and and moments of national moments of national emergency or whatever, which is basically what we are in now. PMQs is particularly weird because you have half the questions which are. Hey, have you noticed the country is on fire? The prime minister's really corrupt. We've accidentally declared war on Belgium. Whatever 
national emergency it is. And half of the questions are, has the Prime Minister noticed that uh, he looks really sexy in that suit and that my constituency, which produces tweed suits, uh, has seen employment go up by 9% over the last two can years? I, can, I or, just, sorry, can I just say, like, I think that was particularly noticeable last week, where like literally the overwhelmingly English Tory MP questions were blah, 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 blah. So I'm thinking my constituency, blah, 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 Labour bad. Whereas Labour England, uh, uh, Scottish nationalists, Welsh nationalists, Welsh Labour, Ulster Unionists, Irish nationalists were all like, for the love of God, go! Why won't you go? Like, it was like, if you're like a nationalist of any persuasion, that was like what you think the United Kingdom is all the time. Everybody just totally sick of Tory England shit and just saying, for the love of God, stop going. It is the old George Orwell quote of, England is a family with the wrong people in charge. It, yeah, that, that is, I think that's a really sort of neat summation of where we are. I think Oh, God, there's just so much of it, isn't there? I mean, so let's actually consider this from, like, a slightly more... What's likely... You know, where, are, where are we at ten, half past eight on the 20th of January 2022? Or, the clock is running out on Boris Johnson. It's not a question of, how, of whether, like, whether he's going to go. It's a question of... Basically, at some point, the Parliamentary Conservative Party will finally turn. And what, I, how they choose I to do that. So when, sure. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be so sure about that. Sorry. I, no, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen this week or next week, but I think it is going to happen the, well, the, the first happen, half of this year. It'll, happen, it'll, happen, it might, it'll certainly happen in 2024 when Keir Starmer comes in with a majority of 50. Please, please, that makes me almost too happy. Uh, it, well, I, 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 I worry I do, that I, like, I don't think that will be the case. But I do think Luke makes a, 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 a useful point, which is for all the talk of the Tories being a very ruthless party that dispatches their leader, you know, they did let the Churchill serve a full term um, in the 50s. And he, I mean, only... he had defeated. He had defeated the Nazis. He had a de- he had a stroke I, in 1953. <laughs> like like literally, all the cabinet did in that in that parliament was ask him when he was going to go. Um, um, they did let Heath lose not one but two elections, and then took him like almost a year to screw up their courage to get rid of him. And like they did let Major. Fight the ninety-seven election, and that, and that the, is. And I mean, Church, Churchill was an exception to this because Churchill, like so, Churchill was an exception to so much. But the re- the reason why well, the reason why Major survived, and the reason why Heath survived, and possibly the reason why Johnson may survive it, that people were really people were terrified of what would happen, the, the dimensions of the civil war that would break out when they went. See, I just yeah. I, I, I do think you can't underestimate the possibility Johnson fights the next election. Um, and so it is worth, you know, for the reasons you outline. I just feel we, we're starting to see that Johnson's 
what Johnson and the people around him think their route to survival is, is to become a more nakedly right-wing operation. And I think that will terrify enough conservatives that they will get rid of him before, like, they do something really crazy. Like, you know, it's interesting. We haven't talked about, like, uh, Christopher uh, Wakefield? Wakeford. Or Wakeford. Wokeford, as apparently. Christian uh, Wakeford. Christian Wakeford. Woke, Wakeford, even. But apparently, um, Wokeford is what he... Uh, yeah, is, he's... Is, is a, read... It's being brief that that's his nickname in the back benches. Who so, can say? Christopher Wokeford, Christian even. Oh god, Christian Wakeford. I, 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 which, I, by, I, which, by the way, he do he does say, he does sound like a character. He does sound like he does sound like a character in a bad novel. The MP for Berry South um, is um, he has he defects the Labour Party, and one and he said that the final straw was them um, trumpeting freeze the license fee as something to tackle the cost of living crisis. And he thought that just showed that they weren't serious. So, like, I I just foresee all sorts of shenanigans, right-wing shenanigans that just annoys a lot of conservatives that force them to get rid of Johnson. If, if, if I was a right of the party, you're basically trying to get, like, a year out of Johnson and hope for the love of God that you can reboot Pretty Patel to the point where she is a viable contender. Um, I don't think that's actually possible, but like that's the right's best shot because I don't care what either of them, I don't care what either of them like to tell other people, I don't care what either of them like to tell themselves. Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak are not on the right of the Conservative Party, they may think they are, but made Prime Minister, they would quickly not be on the right of Conservative Party, given that responsibility. That their, menta- their mentalities aren't of the headbangers, and the headbangers know it. Um, I mean, do we want to talk about David Davis? Well, no, hang on, let, let, let Simon finish his point. Where do you think the, the lay of the land is? Yeah, I, I think it's not... I don't... I don't see this. I think the Christopher Wakeford defection, Christian Wakeford, you see now you're getting me. Uh, I think the Christian Wakeford defection probably buys Johnson a few more weeks. It was interesting that um, the can, the backbenches were a lot noisier in PMQs this week than they were last week. Because um, I think there is a sense of, you know, call say calling for your leader to go because you think that he's damaging to the conservative brand is one thing, but actually leaving and going to the the other side is a very different thing to do. And I think that, you know, it's very rare. It's the first time it's happened in 15 years. Um, you know, and even that, and that was, that was a bit weird, to be honest. I mean, Quentin Davis is not one of life's natural Labour MPs. Um, whereas Christian Wakeford, well, for one thing, he's representing a seat that, has been a Labour seat in its history, whereas Grantham and Stanford not so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, th- he will be the first defector. He is a chance of being the first defector in decades. Who probably has a reasonable chance of holding on to his seats. Yeah, like well, he, he, I, he, well, he won't because he can't stand for the same seat. But like, he could stand for the successor seat, and you know, the boundary changes are 
favourable have a chance of of holding it. So this, this is this. So this is this is the thing that I. I was actually. This is I, was, my... I was. I was just thinking. I was thinking. What about Reg Prentice? But he was elected. Yeah, he 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 was re-elected, but for a completely different seat. Yeah, and like no, there was no break in his parliamentary career, but he didn't represent. The but they, they found him some place yeah. in the shires. Yeah, and, and same with Sean Woodward as well. Like he yeah. got some. He got somewhere else. It was um, in St Helens. Yeah. Why do Why do I know that? That's that's entirely <laughs> useless. Piece of yeah. But I, I think. So there's a number of things to say about Wakeford defection and a number of things that I think are going to get you screaming and shouting at me, but I'm going to do them anyway. One, well, I wait, think... Really, when has that, that ever stopped you, sir? This whole podcast would well, no, out if that worried you. I, absolutely. No, absolutely. This is why I'm going to do it. Number, so two things. Number one, I think it would be a good idea for him to stand for a by, in a by-election. No. For two reasons. And one... Because I think there, I I just I do not buy the argument that people voted for Christian Wakeford. They voted for the Conservative candidate, and like I just think that as a principle, and I know it's not going to happen because you know that because there is the fear that the Labour Party would lose it. But I think that there's a moral. I think it's quite. It's very, very unusual. But to me, my, my mind, the people of Berry South voted for a Conservative MP. They now have a Labour MP. They should have the decision to make. They should make that call. That but secondly, that yeah, yeah, go on. Because yeah, they vote for Conservative government. They have one. Yeah, but they vote. Yeah, um, well, okay. I mean, if you're so, so if like, you make, I if you make that I, argument first past the post is for the birds. Well, I have floated the idea of a presidential system and then abandoned it due to Donald Trump. But, like, I just feel like the, the, the more logistical reason is the Conservatives get to move to Ritz and they will pick it at a time of their own advantage. Um, and so, like, another by-election is for the birds. And the other... God, that's a Stephen Bushism. Although he's stopped doing that now. He's been no, taught not to do if- it. If he resigned now as yes, a Labour MP, the Tories would still move the writ. Ah, no, the Tories okay. would still move the, the writ. Is yeah. of the part. Uh, this is this is why, like, like fantasies of a third party is formed, and they all they all resign to contest their elections. Yeah, no, they, they, on the this, same was, day. this was this was what this is what banjaxed. This is what banjaxed the SDP. Um, is that because there were there was. I think one Labour MP decided yeah. that they had to, you know, in good faith, had to um, stand in a by-election and Labour, you know, Labour got to move the writ so could do it exactly at a time and place at their own choosing. Yeah. That's it. And this is another thing that is relevant to the SCP, but also even more importantly to you, Kit. If you let him stand, resign and stand in a by-election... Um, because he, he he probably would win at the moment, but no, that's yeah. Be- Be- Berry South is a type of seat that you'd expect expect Labour to win. Yeah, I mean, the given where polls. the polls are at the moment, they would should win easily. But the thing is, you then set a precedent for any future defectors. This is this is what Farage always says that he really regrets letting Carswell and Reckless set that precedent. Because it basically meant there were, you know, he claims there were a bunch of Tories who wanted to defect, but were less convinced they'd be able to win their seats in the in the resulting by-election. 
but because of the precedence, they couldn't they couldn't result they couldn't switch sides without resigning their seats. And if Labour really thinks they have a shot at four or five more defections, um, you don't want to create a barrier to those people defecting when they may not be able to win the result in by-election. The reality is, oh, it's, it's one of these things, isn't it? The, 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 the party who's being defected to never thinks a by-election is necessary. The party being defected from always thinks one is 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 the just thing to do. It's like if, if your side in football um, has a 50-50 penalty shout given against it, you're always annoyed, even though you know if the roles were reversed, yeah, you would you you would be kind of um, happy with what happened and think that was the right thing to do. You know, politics is a contact sport. Um, yeah. It's not always fair. Uh, Labour would be insane to let him defend the, to to resign and defend a by election. Yes. Okay. So a lot of that, a lot of that, I hadn't considered to be fair, and I think a lot of that is reasonable. And yes, you're probably right. My cons- what they've got. One of the things that I think they've got to do, almost from an internal party man, like internal party in the country management stance, is they've got to prove they haven't just got a Tory in their ranks because that's the light. Now, the line, like most of the Corbynite left really annoy me and most of the things the Corbynite left say are incorrect. But I think there is a degree, there is a reasonable degree that the, the, the grief that the Corbynite left have, which is essentially, you know, we've seen people thrown out of the Labour Party because they campaigned for Green candidates or SWP candidates or left unity. And then a person who stood against, campaigned against and defeated a Labour MP gets kind of just welcomed in all at open arms. We're really delighted to have him here. It does somewhat, it will somewhat stick in the craw. And I think that if the Labour Party is not, and it's not going to have a by-election, they've got to find a way of getting Christian Wakeford set for, for up and not just going... Keir Starmer's lovely and solid and a new leader for the country and uh, and I lo- and I lo- and aren't the Tories naughty but actually to start saying this is that these are the labor values that I believe in no no so that's that's wrong like, that's the opposite opposite of of reality you want Chris uh, Christian Wakeford um to not seem like a normal labor MP because he's going to be a surrogate when you start running campaigns in the north, in those Tory Labour marginals, and you want him to be seen as former Tory MP, now a Labour candidate, because Keir Storm has changed the party. Now, it is perfectly valid for the left of the party and the extra Labour left to not like that, because that is a sign that Keir Starmer is successfully moving the party to the centre, away from what they believe. Um, but like, it's not because there's some great principle involved. It's because they recognise that this is a sign Keir Starmer is moving the party to the centre. And I'm sure the fact that Barry South has a has areas in it that have an unusually large Jewish population and, and Wakeford is particularly concerned about issues related to Jewish people and anti-Semitism, probably drives them even crazier. 
But like the, the way to think of this on the flip side is imagine if Jeremy Corbyn had been able to finagle it where he could welcome George Galloway back into the Labour Party and George Galloway crossed the floor from, from respect slash independence to being a Labour MP. And George Galloway was saying, I am now once again a Labour MP because I recognise Jeremy Corbyn has changed the Labour Party and brought it back to its true socialist roots. Yes, many on the right and the soft left of the Labour Party would be screaming blue murder and they'd be saying similar things to what the momentum activists are saying now in terms of he stood against the Labour Party, uh, there are good people who have been kicked out of the Labour Party for less than what this guy did. But we all know deep down that's not why they're mad. They're mad because somebody that they disagree with Somebody that is even more to the to, to the extreme of what they don't like than the leader they hate has came into the fold and is kind of celebrating the, the, the ideolo- ideological movement of the party. So yeah, like left-wing activists, perfectly okay to uh, say what they want to say, criticizing uh, this move. But that doesn't mean we have to take we, we have to take them seriously, but not literally. Yes, they are annoyed. They're annoyed because they don't want Starmer to succeed. They want this to fail. They don't want Starmer to, to move the party to the centre. They don't want Labour to move away from Corbynism. They want Starmer to implode in, in good order, in good time, so a more left-wing leader can contest the next election. Um, and it's just like, yeah, you know, fair play. You have your opinion. Starmer has his opinion. This is good news for Starmer. If you want Starmer to be successful, embrace this. This is a good. This is a good news story for Starmer. If you'd rather that Jeremy Corbyn was back in the Labour Party and Labour had a more left-wing leader, then this is bad news for you. I think it's that simple. Mm, okay. No, that you've. Okay. You've. You've. Yep. Yeah, you've convinced. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. I wonder to I wonder to what extent this is just Christian Wakeford making a spur of the moment decision based on current events and to what to what extent because you had this you had this where I I remember you sort of back in 2006 2007 you had it didn't come to anything but you had David Cameron and George Osborne, like working right-wing liberal Democrat MPs like David Laws. Oh, no, not just them, but Frank Field as well. And Frank Field. So I I wonder, I wonder, did somebody in Starmer's office in Lotto pick up that Wakeford was dissatisfied? Is there a... Yes. Do you want to tell, do you want to explain it, Simon? Uh, well, the, this is my understanding of the story, and it, it nicely link. It nicely it's it link. It's a nice. It's a through seam of uh, of our, from our previous podcast as well, as far as I as far as I understand it. So my understanding is that they've been talking to Wakeford since about October. Uh, he has had okay. So this wasn't actually caused by all the drink by all the parties. Well, it's the classic. I would imagine it's the classic case of I. I imagine. He got to some point in October of that thing of, you know, you wake up and you look around and go, Blood, what the, who the hell am I actually in a party with? Goodness gracious me. Much like Boris Johnson didn't, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but like, 
Hey. But like, so he's been thinking this for months. He's been talking to people within Starmer's office. He's been talking to people in the Labour Party for several months. But I would imagine. Well, could you, 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 could you, oh, you step on the key line I thought, here? I thought, I thought you forgotten this. Sorry. No, no, that's what I mean oh, by the thread through from the last okay. podcast is that apparently the person who was the main was his main sort of point of contact was uh, Barry Gardner. So I mean, also, the Christian Wake finished taking money off. Um, well, to, to be more precise, there was like a Gardner staffer, not that one, Luke. And there's a Gardner okay. staffer who knew Wakeford through some pre-existing relationship. Okay. And they were so, like the link. So I guess that brings me to my next question. Because there's, there's this whole thing that Labour is spinning now that Wakeford might be the first of four or five Labour MPs. I think you mentioned it. Um, well, now that's the kind of thing that has no downside. Because if it's true, you might gain two or three or four new MPs. If it isn't true, you messes with the Tories' heads. So, do you think there's a, do you think there's any there's any truth to the idea that, that Wakeford could be the first of several MPs, or do we think this yeah. is Labour um, doing a bit of psyops? Well, yes, but with the with May doing most of the work, like I mean, you got to remember, like it was only uh, what a year ago that well, less than a year ago, like six uh, six seven months ago where there were rumours that there were Labour MPs who were thinking of defecting to the Tories. That was in Dan Hodges' column, so to take him a pinch of salt. I mean, I, I, think there's, I think there's two things there. One, and I was thinking about this, I think we sometimes forget how weird the situation we're in with this government, because, you know, this is one of the few governments to be elected after, to, to, to have been elected fourth time in a row. Um, so it's this and the Thatcher major, major government. Um, but obviously, like, because the May, uh, the, the, the Cameron and May parliaments are so short, it's basically going to hit the level of, say, like the new Labour, the Macmillan governments as well. So you can count them as uh, comparisons as well. And maybe the Liberal um, at the turn of the century one as well. You just don't very often get governments at this stage of their development get such a large influx of new members. Um, so what? I, I, I don't know the exact figure, but obviously the Tories gained about 50, 60 seats, given churn to get their majority. And you had, what, another 20, 30 seats they held that they'd sacked the MP or the MP had retired. Yeah, and quite an relatively large number of people retiring as well. So, like, you, you, I think they've got, like, I think the class of 2019 was something crazy, like 80-90, which is utterly enormous for, like, a, uh, a government. And so what you have is this weird thing of... So, like, just put that in context, the only government to gain seats after a prolonged period of government, so more than a couple of years, is Thatcher in 1983. That's only four years. It's not that long. And like they thought they were going to lose, uh, they were going to lose the next election for most of those four years um, until Falkland slash North Sea Oil came on, on stream. 
So really, you, you know, but you look like, you know, you look at Blair, Blair either stayed steady or lost seats in his two election defences. Um, the, no, to be fair, the Tories after four years, again, did gain seats. But then after that gain, they started losing seats again. The Liberals lost seats um, in 1910. So the point of this is, you've got, what, 200, 250, 300 MPs who have basically grown fat on government and are very complacent, very, um, either they're either complacent, they're either greedy, they're either tired, or they just became very bitter and hard and harsh. And then you've got like 60, 70, 80, 90 newbies who are just fresh to the whole thing. And like that clash. Yeah, I that, think that's I think that's, I think that's so a... unusual. And I, think, I, think, I, think, I think that's a really good point, Will, and one that I haven't really heard made anywhere else. No, I was just thinking about it before we recorded it. Um, and so you look at someone like Wakeford. Like one of the things is, is that he was really offended with how he was being whipped and then threatening to take a school away from his constituency. Now, the thing is, the whips, and we know this, whips just get more and more outrageous with their threats the longer they're in government, the longer they're whipping. Because, yeah. you know, you, it's almost like, you know, people get desensitized and you have to kind of escalate your threats. And I'm sure the more hard-bitten MPs know that, don't take it too seriously. We've got this guy who, like, two years ago was just like some nobody in Barry, going, well, you're going to take the school away, but I thought we were for the common good. Um, and he just can't get, he can't get his head around it. I, I think this is there's a really interesting I think you're I think that's that's right I think but there's a lot there's a lot in the current scandal of saying the quiet bits loud <laughs> like not having parties illegally whilst the rest of the country were letting their grandmothers die alone in hospital beds but like Westminster has a massive drinking culture if you read a book like Marie Leconte's um, first one, which I uh, haven't, uh, haven't you heard, which uh, is basically about the purpose of gossip, it basically points out that Westminster runs on bad beer and bad wine. And like, that's how things get done. And I think most people don't think about that because most people don't spend their time hanging around the Red Lion or the Strangers or, you know, the Sport and Social in Westminster because they're normal. And the whipping operation, similarly, if you haven't watched James Graham's This House, and I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I presume you have at some so point. And if, and if you have, if you are listening to this podcast and you haven't, go and find it right now because it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Pause this, watch that, come back. But yeah. like most people haven't, most people haven't watched that. They haven't. And most people don't. The idea actually. And including think, people who go into politics. So I think mm. one of the things we, we keep learning is actually most MPs aren't political obsessives. You know, they're, they're, they're people people. They're not weird chocolateites like the rest of us. Particularly, I, actually, with the, with the sort of 2019 intake mm. where you've got a whole bunch of people who've, you know, joined the, you know, come into Parliament from seats that never had Tories before. So you're not going to have had, you know, 
George Osborne's spad from 2007 or whatever it is, who's been dumped in a seat, in a, put in parachute into even, a seat everyone expects spads, to win. Even spads, I think, are they're more doers than nerds. So, like, they are actually much less into the political gossip than you. Yeah, might and assume. I mean, and I mean, one of one of the things, and I think one of the things, and I think Cowley, I think Cowley does, I think Cowley does this really well in Rebels. It, um, our former teacher, more mine and Will's former um, professor, Phil Cowley. Lover of hamsters book. is Phil Cowley. Pardon? He's a great lover of hamsters. Yeah, he is. Um, because I want them locked up or killed by the CCP. Yeah, he wrote a book looking at uh, parliamentary rebellions in Tony Blair's first term, 97 to 2001. And one of the points he makes is when you have this huge flush of new MPs coming through, they're entirely ignorant of the rules of parliament. They're entirely ignorant of how things actually work and the sort of the power and influence you have or don't have as a back as a backbench MP. So <clears throat> one of the one of the one of the points one of the points he makes in that is that newer MPs are general are can be both easier and harder to whip. At the same time, they're easier to whip in the sense that they're ignorant of they're ignorant of the formal rules. So they rely on the whips to a great extent to tell them exactly how things work. On the other hand, because they're ignorant of the culture and the you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, you know, favour trading of parliamentary politics, <laughs> they're much more likely to just go off and march by the beat of their own drum, particularly if they do if they rebel once don't suffer any serious consequence for that rebellion. They're more likely to do it again. Well, he has a whole, he has a whole, I don't think, I don't think it's a whole <laughs> chapter, but it's like a, like a passage where he talks about the nightmares the whips have of MP, of new MPs signing up to early day motions, not realising how important they are. Like, because they're not important, but they are important because it's a formal declaration of your position. And like having to like get MPs off the petar they'd hoist themselves on. And of course, it is even more difficult now because a lot of these MPs have barely been in Westminster. Yeah. So they've not yeah, been socialized yeah. like they normally would be. Now, the other point I was going to make, and this is more particular to like new Tory MPs. And I don't like you can exaggerate this point because like a lot of the, the Red Wall Tory MPs. Are actually that like the person who kept the Tory CL the, the Tory CLP the Tory constituency association going when there was no chance of winning it at all and they've just been working it solidly for like ten years. But the one thing you cannot underestimate is. Actually, what Tories care about, and particularly this version of the Conservative Party and any version of the Conservative Party since at least Thatcher, if not before, is they want taxes to be low. What makes you a Conservative if you want taxes to be low? Now, before Luke chips in, there is a, a variant of this, which is that you want borrowing to be low. 
Um, but what both kind of lead you to is that you are suspicious of increased public spending because you know that increased public spending means at some point either higher taxes or higher borrowing and probably a combination of the two. And when you actually look at the stuff that uh, Christian uh, Wakeford had been really interested in, it does feel like he was just butting up against the thing of there is no such thing as right-wing populism or Tory populism or conservative populism because conservatives will just never be able to bring themselves to write a check to solve every problem because they are too worried about the future consequences for tax, for borrowing, for inflation, for the whole shebang. And he just seems like he was very frustrated because like, he'd been really keen about fuel poverty, the cost of living crisis, you know, blah, 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 blah. Basically, there's no such thing as right-wing populism. What do you think, say, Luke? I mean, I'm glad you pointed out the difference between conservatism as low tax and conservatism as balanced. Well, I, you say difference. I say distinction without a difference. Well, no, because I'm, I'm, quite, I'm, quite, I'm quite happy with a high tax, high spend. Yeah, but here's the uh, thing, though. If a, if a gun's put to your head and you can have um, high tax, high spend, high tax, high borrowing, high spend with labour, or low tax, low spend, low borrowing. Which yeah, but, I, but I, want, I want high tax, high spend. Yeah, but you're not borrowing. offered that. You're very rarely offered that. That's the problem, isn't it? It's like a foot. That's why the like you're like the you are right. Like there is that like low borrowing conservatism. Yeah, I mean, basically, it actually there was a there's a really there was a really interesting. Um, I was going to say a book I was reading, book I was listening to over Christmas about the death of moderate republicanism, in about the death of moderate mm. republicanism in the in the sixties and seventies. And that was, and one of the one of the points by a guy called George Kabasevich, um, and it's written it's written before Trump. It's written about two thousand and fourteen. So a lot of what he was saying, you know, it doesn't account for the rise of Trump and the, which, the, the nativist. Obviously, a great rise of moderate republicanism. No, but it doesn't count for like the the, the nativist. No. Uh, right. One of the point one of the points he was making was. That you know, republicanism switched from being about balanced budgets. If you look at somebody, if you look at somebody like Eisenhower, you know, taxes on the rich, marginal taxes on the rich were incredibly high by oracle standards because, I, um, because Eisenhower and the people around him were phobic about debt. But they also realized that some of the social programs of the New Deal had to be preserved if the Republicans were ever going to maintain a viable offer to be in office. And one of the one of the sort of switches was from going from sort of sound public finances to low taxes. Anyway, I think you are <coughs> I think you yeah I think I think <coughs> the problem Boris is going to face. And in fairness we actually I think we actually mentioned this in our like post election podcast in 2019. Is that you've got a bunch of you've got a bunch of new MPs who actually 
believe in the manifesto? Who actually believe in the manifesto, which is we can be all things to all people all the time, and it, is, it can just be sunshine well, and rainbows. Well, it's even worse, isn't it? Because of the pandemic. So, like, I, I will tell the story again. I, I used to play a politics role-playing game, and I... <laughs> Here I, he goes, listeners. I would... We we, we, we play rounds in the 70s, and I would absolutely drive Americans to distraction because I have a non-monetarist uh, belief in inflation that I believe the reason we had so much inflation in the 70s is the uh, the Yom Kippur War and the Arab oil shock uh, unleashing uh, in- inflationary expectations into the global economy that then had to be clamped down. Likewise, my pet theory still to this day is that the Beijing Olympics caused financial crisis because they they caused uh, commodity prices to spike in a way that spooked the markets in 2007. Um, but the, the, the key thing is with this is, is that, look, we, we, we have had an almighty supply crunch these past well, two years. Inflation is now an issue again. You know, like the, 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 the days of saying inflation is not an issue uh, are over. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean you can't borrow more money, but there will be a tra- no, th- there will be a trade off to that. If the government loosens fiscal policy, um, it, it, it will be met by the Bank of England increasing interest rates to clamp down on, it, on, on inflation which may have very painful consequences for Tory voters with uh, flexible mortgages, with credit or loan debts. And so you, you, are in, you are in more of a bind than seemed likely back in 2019. You know, like there actually are trade-offs now between uh, higher taxes, higher spending, higher borrowing, economic growth, uh, no, disposable incomes. Um, yeah, so it's, it's tricky. It's a tricky situation. Yeah, do, do, can, I, can I just move the conversation on? Oh, no, can I just ask Simon, do you think there's such a thing as right-wing populism? Because you were off. I was basically saying that I, I personally believe there's no such thing as right-wing populism because conservatives are either motivated by fear of higher taxes or fear of higher borrowing both of which mean they just won't want to cap to write checks uh, for every problem that comes along because deep down they want to keep the state as small as possible to uh, keep taxes or borrowing low. And so you, you, right-wing populism always blows up because it just can't, it, it can't, it can't fulfill the promises it makes to voters. I think that that's, a very sort of post that feels like a very post 1979 vision of what conservatism was. I mean, I'd say that, like, you know, if, that is if a long arguing, time ago now, so. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, we've we've gone through, you know, in many in many ways, the financial crisis and Brexit have fundamentally shifted the. But it hasn't shifted dynamics. the Conservative Party. Yeah, but that that I think is interesting in and of itself. Well, it may you know it may if Boris Johnson had had but, had but his, even Donald had his chances, Trump. it might. But even Donald Trump, yeah, like Donald... Well, let, well, let... sorry, 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 Simon, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I I just I think that the model of like 
if, if conservatism could also if conservatism one stack one sort of strand of conservatism is basically like just just keep the show, just keep the show on the road and that's sort of the Macmillan you know Macmillan or whatever and that's a much more high spendy kind of thing now it wasn't if you combine that with a kind of kind of weird a nativist thing I think that's I, I still think that's a conservative sort of populist agenda I don't think you know it's a simplest I don't think you can simply say this thing doesn't exist or it, it cannot doesn't exist. exist no I didn't say it can't exist but it doesn't exist I I, like it I does think it not exist. I don't I don't think it will I think it probably cannot exist right now because you've got the the econ the economics are looking really really are looking well, no, really no, don't bad. Even that. It's not about the economics. It's it does not exist. Yeah. Because the conservative politicians don't believe in it. So like this is like oh, one, yeah, of the, one, one of the things I I was always say is like one of the things that made me lead the Conservative Party in the noughties would you had Cameron come in as the moderate voted commons, but he actually didn't moderate on any of the economics. Like he briefly, oh, no, no, he briefly flirted with schools and hospitals, um, and then and then rode back a bit. But like, the reality is, modern conservatism, uh, i.e., what conservative politicians do, is about low tax, low borrowing, and. You know the financial crisis, Brexit, just doesn't seem to sh no coronavirus, you know three huge shocks to the social economic order, just will not shift them. And you're right, like if you had a conservative, I've said this way, Boris Johnson is what people have been waiting for since about 2006, which is a conservative prime minister who's willing to say we will borrow money so you have your great hospitals and schools with a bit lower taxes. Um, but, like, even he can't fulfil that promise because he can't find a chancellor who can do the job that will borrow the money. Well, there's there's, there's two things that to say about that. Firstly, that's surprising. I thought the reason you left the Conservatives in the mid-noughties is you hated the idea you might actually back a winner one day. Um, Hey, I, I, I backed a winner in 2016, didn't hey! I, Simon? Let me be clear here about this. As I have said many times, the only winner I've ever voted for in any election is Sadiq Khan in 2016. That's it. My entire <laughs> adult life has been backing failures. Um, you know, Liberal Democrats 2010, Labour 2015, uh, the AV, AV in 2011, uh, I think the Greens in 2012 in the mayorals. You know, I, I back I back failure a lot. And I, I'm just, I, I understand it. I'm, I'm, there's, I'm just saying there's nothing to be ashamed of. Um... <laughs> And, and on the second point, I think this links to the thing we were saying at the end of the last podcast, that the best candidate for the Conservative Party would be a Boris Johnson who wasn't a complete a complete liar and a charlatan. Yeah. Boris Johnson who wasn't Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, but, but, like, but this is someone with like... Boris Johnson's instincts who wasn't, but then maybe that's not possible. But this, but this is, I, 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 we will move on, Luke, but this is the thing, so I remember... I remember who it was at Fox. It may be Matthew Iglesias, but I'm not sure. But he made a point. I wonder, like, you look at many American opinion polls. There are like, if you look at like the the four points of political compass, you've got your fiscally 
conservative social liberals, like your Bloomberg-esque people. But they're, and like they're very they're very well represented in the elite, and that's what the elite thinks are centrists. But then you've got on the opposite quadrant, your socially uh, conservative, fiscally liberal, to use the American phrase, uh, no, fiscally progressive, um, which were you know back in the seventies we called your hard hats. No, you're you know, you're kind of like your white collar progressives. And they're not very well represented. And, you know, nativism has long been very popular amongst the Republican Party. Now, the thing was... Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that was sort of... That was sort of, you know, that's the sort of... I don't, think, I don't think Trump was ever a coherent enough political project to, you know, to be worthy of the name. But that's certainly the segment of the population that people like Steve Bannon yeah. and Breitbart but you said uh, that like but Trump would come out Trump would come out and say he wouldn't cut Medicare, he wouldn't cut Medicaid, he'd have something better than Obamacare. Yeah, and um, then but then when he's he in wouldn't office, cut social Yeah. I know, when he's me, in office, he passes a massive great big tax cut. Yeah. Well that's yeah. Yeah, you know, so the, the point I was gonna make though is one of the things this Fox article was saying was is that the problem with that quadrant is it's very popular with the voters, but it's very difficult to raise money for it. Because rich people like low taxes and rich people like the affluent people's social norms. So you can raise money from rich people by promising to lower their, ta lower their taxes, or you can raise money from rich people by saying, uh, we're for gay people, we're for racial equality, we're for this, this, and this. What you can't do is, is raise money by saying, we want to increase your taxes and we hate everybody who isn't a white working class person. <coughs> and so what you actually need to become a viable candidate is overwhelming celebrity. That means you can cut through the lack of, you know, the, the, the inability to fundraise off the usual channels, which obviously Trump had. No, you know, Trump didn't have to spend to some extent, to some extent, Boris has... Well, well, this is the point I'm going to make. Boris, well, John yeah. Boris Johnson had that as well, which is why this synthesis, which is usually toxic in political circles, kind of gets you kicked out of the magic circle, he was able to run with. Um, and so, like, you probably can't get... Boris Johnson without being Boris Johnson, because you kind of have... Look, there's a reason demagoguery is named after a demagogue. Like, you can't have demagoguery without a demagogue. By demagoguery, by demagoguery, I mean demagoguery. <laughs> yeah, we well, don't mean like, you know, why, why are these awful policies associated with this awful person? I don't know. Maybe they're awful policies. Um... Yeah, so and I mean, and I mean, I think, I think that I think this is, I think this is the problem. I think it, it, this is the problem. This is the problem. If and when the Conservatives do decide to get rid of Boris Johnson, is not like Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss. I think you're right. Well, they're not. They're not headbangers. They're not on the hard right of the Conservative Party. But equally, I mean, we've already seen this with Rishi Sunak. He had to be dragged kicking and screaming to sign up to the, fur the furlough. You know, the one thing he gets all this credit for 
He clearly wanted a more restricted version of that. Why? Um, and, you know, the, the, I think both Truss and Sunak are going to revert to a position whereby they may be able to win a Conservative majority at the next election were they to become Prime Minister. But they're not going to win Durham Northwest. They're not going to win Bishop Auckland. Well, I wouldn't go too far. Do you remember Theresa May did almost win those places? I think the bigger thing. Yeah, but Theresa May was, offer, was actually offering quite a status program. Well, true. That's true. That's true. But I think the key thing is they're both new, very new in their roles. I know Sunak's now been in his role for almost two years, but it's been all coronavirus firefighting. If, if, if you know, if and this is like if Tory MPs want Boris Johnson gone, they need to get rid of him now because I there is a path where Sunak Truss don't have a good year, and then rather than being left with two flawed candidates, um, to pick from, you're left with no candidates. I mean, it is worth saying. Um, that what? Why is it? Wait a minute. Let me get this right. The last time we had a prime minister um, who had been chancellor, foreign secretary for more than a year, no counting, no uh, avoiding a job, avoiding John Major, who became prime minister and won an election afterwards, is what? Um, be Churchill. Churchill in, 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 in 51. And no, who remembered Churchill? That Churchill had been Chancellor before the Second World War. Um, so, no, before that, Baldwin, but again, Baldwin, uh, Baldwin, no, 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 Chancellor. No, you're, no, you're, you're, no, you're wrong. There's, there's, there's a very, oh. old, there's the, no, but uh, there's this guy who was Foreign Secretary and then uh, oh, Eden, went on yeah, to sorry, become Eden. Prime Minister. Eden. No, um, and, and won the election, uh, won Boris Johnson. Oh, yeah, but he was crap. Yes, you, you didn't say was any good at the job because, like, you know, but, like, we, we Boris know, Johnson we, was we, Foreign Secretary and okay, then went on to become Prime Minister who fair won enough. the general election. Fair enough, fair enough. But you, but you know what I mean, though? Like, it's like, it's actually quite it's a difficult. Rarity. It's quite yeah. difficult to do one of those roles. And I think, like, I, I suppose the thing I would say with Boris Johnson is Boris Johnson, like, they did not want anybody to remember that he was foreign secretary. Like it's quite difficult. Same thing with Churchill, yeah. You say yeah. the Churchill and the yeah. It's quite difficult to use those positions for a successful run at the premiership and then to be a successful prime minister. So, like the odds are, Sunak has a very difficult budget to deliver. Uh, Truss has to get something out of the protocol. Odds are they both fail. Hey, meaning, yeah, I'm just. Just so, so we don't lapse completely into insider jargon, you mean the, the Northern, Northern Irish Northern Island Island Protocol. Odds are they both fail. And then what? You're left with Jeremy Hunt, which I think people have forgotten how much everybody hated his guts when he was health secretary. This the idea. Thing, the, 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 thing, the thing is, though, as a, as a senior conservative politician, you can't be health secretary for as long as he was and be popular. It just it doesn't work. Yeah, but yeah, I I I think Hunt. I mean, 
I think the reality is that we, we're talking about, oh, there aren't that many, but this, the sort of political moment that we have lived through, our, we, we have lived our, life, our adult lives through is really unusual, which is two blocks of long-standing Really long governments, yeah. 13 years of Labour government, a decade or more of Conservative-led government. And so we are norm normally what happens, you know, from the sort of, you know, most of British political history, you'd have a little, a, a, you'd have a bunch of time of one party, they would lose an election, they'd have some time in opposition, someone would come through in the way that, you know, David Cameron came through for the Conservatives in, in 2005. I, I know that was in a period of a long, but, you know, it was like a new face, someone different could kind of go, hey guys, you didn't, you, you hadn't heard of me much before, here, here I am. And, or, or even like, okay, okay, even someone like where, where Harold Wilson like went out of office, came back into office, was like, you haven't, ha I've, I, 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 I might be, you know, you might have heard of me before, but like, I have some, I have some different ideas. I've had some time away, you know, we're now in this weird situation where for the second, for like the third or fourth time, the governing party is digging around in its senior ranks, people who've got a record that they, they will obviously be judged on that they are going to be, you know, they are going to be sort of, they're going to be, discussed there's not the opportunity and actually by the way um as much as starmer is not really talking policy and that's very sensible the real likelihood is that the election will be spring 2024 and any of the sort of you know any any of those sort of giddy ambitions it was going to be earlier than that feel kind of dead in the water at, at the at moment the well, I think that's when it has. I think that no. legal. I no. thought that it was slightly shorter because they had the election no, in December. They're they're going to amend it. Right, but they're getting rid of the fixed. That that is right. Like if the fixed term Parliament Act survived, it would be May twenty twenty four. But they were in the process of getting rid of the fixed term Parliament Act. They're going to have the clock be until December twenty twenty four. So it, but I, like, I would say I would say at the latest it would because I don't think you're getting a December election because everybody no. hates them. But I think you might possibly get a September one if I mean, the government's really desperate. Let's be honest with ourselves. We can't. We don't know what will happen next week. Let's not try yeah. and predict stuff that'll happen in 2024. Okay, but, can, can, can I just correct you? Not correct, but just ponder something mm -hmm. like. Actually, is it true that long periods of 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 one party leading governments is the rarity? Because, like, what? So, like, in the twentieth century, the Liberals lead government from the end of nineteen o five to nineteen fifty to nineteen fifteen. But in reality, like Lord jo Lloyd George is creative father government. So the lib so the liberal leadership of government doesn't really end until 1922. Um the you then do get a period of instability, but the national government is in on top from 1931 to nineteen forty. You have uh, Conservatives in charge from 1951 to 1964, another period of instability. Then you, had, then you get to Thatcher and Blair and the current era. Actually, 
long periods of one party ruling have been the norm. In the Victorian era, you not so much, um, although you did have the big period of liberal hegemony, just had the Great Reform Act. It's really only that later Victorian period after the Second Reform Act, um, which I don't know if I've ever mentioned in the podcast, is when modern British politics was formed, where you do get these kind of like seesawing between strong governments of either party. Okay. I mean, but what does that, I mean, it just, maybe, maybe I basically... Now, what's different to... is, is politicians don't survive as long. Mm. So, like, you know, like, you no, know, you know, in, in, you know, like I said, like in, in the that night, that liberal government at the turn of the 20th century and going into that that weird liberal Tory hybrid, you know, Lloyd George was never present in the period of the kind of chaos of the 20s and the national government. Baldwin was never present, was almost never present. Neville Chamberlain was was never present. Um, you know, McDonald was was there for over te- over ten years at a high level. Um, you know, people, you know, people like Macmillan. No, Macmillan was part of that government for the entire, all for all but one of those years. I don't assume was was there for all but one year. Um, so it might just be the the you know, it's not something I usually say. It may just be the caliber of the politicians that is kind of. We're used to like one or two very dominant figures holding sway. And I think what is unusual about this period is that we've had, you know, Cam- the, the coalition, the Cameron government, the May government, the Johnson government, all trying to find themselves against their predecessor. So like even even Cameron, when he got re-elected, was like, oh, I've got a majority now. You're going to see what we can really do without those Lib Dems as a handbrake. Um, May very clearly trying to define herself against Cameron. Johnson trying to very clearly define herself against May and uh, Cameron. And like not, and this is one of the things that you sometimes see people like kind of complain about this as if the toys are doing a trick. But, like, May really had let Cameron down in the EU referendum. Uh, Johnson really had been at the heart of his two predecessors uh, losing office. Like, no one was imagining anything that these people were a break with their predecessors. Um, But that's very unusual. Uh, And it's the thing that, if I was Labour, would give me most concerns. Because, like, it feels like Labour has the message, it has the measure of this Conservative Party. But if the Conservative Party regenerates in like December 2023, just before the election, it's like, ah, what, what, no, what's the old Woody Piper line? Uh, just when they thought they had the answers, I changed the questions. That's the way you get another defeat. And this, and this is what the Liberal Democrats yeah. do in Japan where they, they just keep shifting what the party is over and over and over again. So I did see someone joke on Twitter that they said, when we when we entered the LDP, we went one party rule forever, not a change of prime minister for 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I, yeah, no, I think, I think that's a really fair point. I think the question is whether, the question is what do the concert, what do these conservatives want the governing project to be? Is it an LDP style 
we just keep ourselves, we do everything, anything we can to keep ourselves in power? Or is it, you know, actually we've got these big ideas that might be really unpopular? Um, and I realised something here. We've been talking for a while, and I don't think we've mentioned probably the most dramatic thing to have happened at yesterday's PMQs, yeah? Which is, um, David Davis thinks we should talk about David Davis. David Davis! Yeah, well, let, well, let's get the David Davis expert in. Luke, like, if we do this podcast, uh, you're on mute. Uh, if we do this podcast um, yesterday, you'd be get, we'd be giving you Cokes. I'm not sure you owed a Cokes now. Did David Davis miss his moment? I'm not, I don't, I'm not following you. I, I don't back so, up. So David Davis clearly felt he was winding up to deliver the killer, the killer blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because of the Wakeford um, defection, which I think is sort of exaggerated, like, yeah. MPs were looking for excuses not to go follow through. Did he not read the mood of the Conservative Party as well as he thought? Like, he, no, when he gets into the tea room, apparently he gets called a traitor by a, by another backbench uh, senior backbench Tory MP. Why do you think you might? Owe, I get that, but why do you think you might owe me a coke? Because you are a big David Davis booster. I am, I, I, and I, I and I have mocked you for it. I mean, I am, I, 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 I am, and I am, I am, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm ambivalent about David Davis. You back were, you didn't day, used to be. Well, no, because back in the day, back in the sort of Blair Brown days, when he was sort of a, you know, the terror of New Labour's. Um, you were so sad when he didn't become Home Secretary in 2010. Yeah. No, I, 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 I constantly told you he wasn't going to become it. You like, I still. No, I still would want him to be Home Secretary because he would be exactly the kind of Home Secretary I would want, which is one, which is basically um, sort of slightly civil libertarian, but also, you know, ex-SAS reservists, knows intelligence, knows the I think he would be an excellent Home Secretary. <laughs> that being said, the problem with David Davis is he's got really sound instincts but terrible judgment <laughs> um, because the guy just, I mean, I don't, I don't think you, you sort of talk about it as a very calculated action sort of reading the conservative party. And, you know, was he winding up to deliver the coup de gras? I don't think anything David Davis has ever done has been that well thought through. David Davis said it because it was what David Davis thought yesterday. Um, I mean, David, Bless his heart, he has always marched to the beat of his own drum, which I kind of admire, but is also just a little bit mad. Because let's 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 not remember. <coughs> let's I, think not what, I think what Luke was trying to say was he had women who are large chested go to a campaign event with DD for DD. Yeah, and let's not and let's not forget. He resigned his. He resigned yes. as a shadow home secretary and resigned his seat to fight a by-election on the issue of ID cards. I mean, no, 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 no. It wasn't no, ID cards. It was ninety-day detention. Ninety-day detention. On, I, the so one it, hand, on the one hand, deeply admirable. On the other hand, completely. 
completely batshit insane. Completely pointless. No. And I think this is this is exactly the thing with you know when it was David Davis and I watched this you know I watched this live on television and I I genuinely sort of swore I was gen wow okay that's impressive and then you think about because the thing about David Davis is on paper. <laughs> To quote Love Island, a thing David Davis has never seen and will certainly never appear on, um, he is, you know, he is a Tory grandee and him saying this is really impressive. He's a former Shadow Home Secretary. He's a former finalist in the leadership contest. He's a former cabinet minister. But also he's the guy he's who ran the Halton Price and Howden by-election. He is not, there are very, he doesn't have a faction. He has his... His faction is his own shadow because you never quite know with David Davis what he might do next. That's not not true. Eric Forbes and him never had a crossword. Oh, wait a minute, Eric Forbes dead. Um, I had had a retinue of one and they're dead now. I mean, that's the thing with that. Like, he, like, if to even if even Theresa May probably has more people who, if she stands up, will go <coughs> okay. Oh, someone you know. Can I can I just go? I think it's even worse than that actually because you, you're okay, Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I I I was. It's even worse than that actually because you no, know, there there is a divide in in a Tory Brexiteers. Between the old farts and the newbies, um, and obviously, I I feel a kinship to the the old farts because you know I no I was I was your skeptic before it was called you know Maastricht still means something to me, but like the newbies hate David Davis because he's an old fart, but the old farts hate him because he's a Maastricht whip. Like I, I always, no, I, mean, I, mean, I always get this bizarre. I'll bring you in, Luke. I think you're going to give the same anecdote I was about to. I always find it bizarre when people call, talk about him as this guy who speaks for the Brexiteers as a Brexiteer whisperer. They all hate him. He is not one of them. Were you going to say an anecdote from the University of Nottingham? No, I won't. No, I was Well, I won't. let me give you this anecdote. So, like our. Uh, all of ours, good friend, your old friend, Tim Aker. Well, no, Simon barely knows him. Well, virulent. I have, met, I have met him several times. Virulent so. Brexiteer. Back in 2000. Oh, yeah, it was 2005, wasn't it? So Simon does not know. My then Luke's old friend, uh, Tim Aker. Virulent, you're a skeptic. Vir- um, you know, I, no, a Brexiteer when a it was. A Brexiteer called, before there was even before. Well, when when you were called an outer. Term. When you called an outer, you'd be called an outer back in uh, yeah. the mid-noughties. And um, he voted for David Cameron in the leadership election because um, David Davis had the mark of M, you know, like Bishop in the X-Men comics, you know. Like, he was stained with being a Maastricht whip. And, like, people always forget this. That's why Cameron made the EPP, the, to leave the EPP pledge, because he knew that those really hardcore Brexiteers were up for grabs, or ousters were up for grabs if it ever got on a one-on-one battle with David Davis because they hated his guts due to Maastricht. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like this... this, this uh, and, 
Sorry, go on. Thing about David, I mean, I make sort of, I make sort of a joke about him marching to the beat of his own drum, and you know, being he would, could do anything. The thing, the thing about David Davis that is, that is, I think, quite admirable. Whether you, whether you, whether you agree, whether you agree with him or not, and everybody's gonna, and his his smorgasbord of positions means that you're gonna disagree. Means that you're gonna violently disagree with him. On something, and even Simon can pick out things he agrees with David Davis. Yeah, no, no. Because this is the thing, David. This, da- this, about this, once a year, about once a year, David yeah. Davis says something I agree with, and and, I, and then I have to go and have a shower. But yeah, yeah, because because this is the point. David Davis is not David Davis is a politician, but he is not in the least bit politic. He will come to a judgment on what he believes is the right answer on any given issue. But he will look at those issues in isolation. There is no philo- there is no guiding philosophy behind this. This is what do I think about ID cards? I don't like them. What do I think about like I'm a libertarian? I'm a Eurosceptic. I'm um I like Theresa May, I don't like Theresa May. I like Boris Johnson, I don't like Boris. Whatever, whatever, you, whatever else you can say about David Davis, he's an honourable man, for better or worse, because he will tell you exactly what he thinks. He will live his truth. I wouldn't go that far. Like, this is a guy as a cabinet minister, had to oppose his own European court of justice cases that he then rejoined when he left the cabinet. No, I don't know. Um, like honorable, honorableness is overrated in politics, but like, yes, he, I'm not he, saying you're wrong, I'm he just is saying not he a, is. He is not a team player, I think would be fair to say. Can I tell my David Davis story? Is this the one where you, you if it's the one about David Cameron and drugs, you've already told that story? No, this is what happened after that. Okay, you've told that story as well, to be fair. Yeah, but I like telling it, and it's newly Go on, man. well, very quickly. After the, the, the question time event uh, between David Cameron and David Davis, back when I was a conservative, um, I, uh, I, me and Tim Aker and some other people got invited to um, the David Davis after party where we got to drink uh, booze at David Davis' expense. And this yeah, was you back- say that. You say that, though. But I, I, remember, I remember, I think, talking to Tim and somebody else was there. And they were saying they thought David Davis was cheap because there wasn't, it was cheap booze and there wasn't much of it. Well, this is a the thing. They, uh, they had more refined tastes than I do. I managed to get myself affordable vodkas and Red Bull. I, I was happy. And, they, and I was only there for like an hour. Um, I, I think that would explain why they wanted to leave so quickly because I was yeah. like, why are we leaving? This is free. Uh, Listen, I listeners, I bumped into, I bumped into Will later on that night at a club because when we were young we used to go to nightclubs. I remember in my day I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. Anyway, I, I bumped into Will at this club and you know sticking with the theme of politics, all I will describe I will describe Will's state as being tired and emotional. <laughs> as a newt. As a newt, yeah. Um but yeah but I, I just remember talking to David Davis 
And I knew that he hated IDS and IDS hated him. But like to like win over the rooms in the audience, he had praised IDS in the um in the question time thing. So I made up I made the point of like doing it really exaggerated. Like, I'm so it's so great you praise IDS. Isn't he a wonderful man? Wasn't he a great leader? I I think it's great that you credited IDS. And you could just see as he was shaking my hand that David Davis just wanted to fucking die. But he didn't tell me that. That's not clever. He's a former SAS reservist. You're lucky he didn't kill you in like 15 different ways. Yeah, I wasn't as fat then either. So like it, it, it wouldn't have broken his back in the same way trying to pick me up now would. What do you before think about we, this story? Before we sort of get off the story, maybe before we wrap up, do we want to talk about the allegations that Will Rag has made? Uh, yeah, we, we kind of spoke about them. It's like, yeah. We kind of did, but I think it's worth talking about them more directly. William Rag, governments threaten marginal C10Bs and they offer them goodies. Did you not take politics degrees? Well, they didn't teach you that politics degrees either. Have you not read a newspaper or a history book? Jesus Christ, William Rag. Yeah, it's like... Next you'll be surprised that Boris Johnson doesn't actually fart out rainbows. It's like, I mean, this is workplace, but it's like, the, the thing is, um, I, the thing, I know I'm doing, I know I'm, I know I'm, do, I know I'm doing a lot of Americanisms tonight, but I think this one is, this one is, um, this one is valid. It's like John McCain, is it McCain flying goal? You know, the whole... Rayleigh against pork barrel politics and no, again, you're thinking about the elimination of earmarks. Yeah, I'm thinking about the elimination of earmarks, and it's like this is this is wasteful spending. It's just pork barrel politics, and it's like yeah, great, yeah, let's remove it, let's get rid of it. This is horrible. Oh wait, politics doesn't work anymore. I mean, look, this is like it's not a very edifying way to run a country. But like, like I mean, I think it is the best comparison, which is if you have 600, 650 narcissists, egomaniacs, half of which I'd largely disagree with you and everything, you've got to give the government some carrot and stick to get their stuff through. Otherwise, yeah, the exactly. whole... that's why the comparison with EMOX. Yeah, no, no, that's right. You're right. Because it's been like you think it'll be better. Yeah. Like, should like should the government be allowed to do these political favors? That's not fair. That's not how it, the system's meant to work. But actually, what you end up with is pure ideological chaos because the government has nothing to kind of hold over. Yeah, it has nothing to hold them together. So everybody's just voting their conscience all the time and that's great if you want political theater if you actually want to get shit done that's a, terrible i was watching a brilliant yes miss yes minister clip um yesterday where it's the one where bernard go away oh, humphrey goes to bernard what do you want bernard goes i want a clear conscience humphrey goes where did you get the taste for such luxuries <laughs> um and it's like also like but okay can, can, can you say one thing I, I'm not saying that people today are dumber than they were in the 80s. But, like, if you ever watch Yes Minister, 
I don't know if you've because Luke still hasn't watched the box set I got him. I, uh, I need to put I need to actually you bought me a physical box set. I need to go in and plug my Blu-ray. I you have a laptop. Oh no, your laptop doesn't have Blu-rays, is it? No, it doesn't, um, it doesn't have a it doesn't have a CD tray. But I don't know if you noticed this, Simon. Have you noticed that on Yes Minister? The studio audience laughs at the most subtlest jokes. Like they 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 seem a very politically savvy audience that get like the small nuances of like that the dry humor. I I think the thing is that obviously so yes, obviously the audience for Yes Minister was very was a very smart audience because you know. <laughs> There and, and and you know were probably tuned into politics because hey they were the sort of people who on a Thursday evening went hey we could go to the pub but pub we could go to the theatre we could go to a gig no let's go and sit in a room and watch some people tell jokes about cabinet politics for an hour and a half but and and, and it's really difficult to know whether the audiences have got by that metric whether the audiences have got smarter or less smart because the only comparable show is the thick of it, which is a thing that's produced without an audience, so you can't make that direct comparison. Yeah, and also, and yeah, also, yeah, the audience of Mrs. Brown's voice is a different audience. And also, the, the thick of it, the thick of it is not really... You think it's political comedy, but it's not really. No, no, thing, like, if you watch Yes Minister, Yes Minister and, and, and the thick of it are just as much uh, political comedies. The no, Yes Minister... Okay. Yes, no, the Yes Minister has that same through vein of it's actually an office comedy. Yeah, yeah. it's an office. Yeah, yeah. In the same yeah. way that The West Wing is 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 a, is an office drama, right? It, 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 like because yeah. all these things are. Um, the thing, oddly, I was before recording not this episode but the last episode. Um, I just found on BBC iPlayer, and I had half an hour and I need to eat some tea. Um, the first episode of um, Yes, Prime Minister, because BBC Four for reasons that we could go into for a long time has no money, and so just sticks out um, random old. Comedy shows that I will go. Yes, I will watch. And it's it's the episode about um, nuclear deterrence, and it's one of those amazing things where you go, "Wow!" It really was just a backbeat of of just everything in in the mid nineteen eighties. Was just this sense that deep down we might all die very very soon. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean. Just to make, just to bring this back to to World back on topic. We are yeah, back on topic. What do you make of the Avengers movies? Oh, we're in the wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. Yes, just to bring it back to Will Wright's allegations of bullying. I mean, also, it depends what the whips said, because if the, if the whips just made the, the self-evident point that if you get rid of Boris Johnson, there's going to be a new prime minister and they may want to spend money on different things, that's not a threat. That's just a statement of fact. That doesn't you know, sound... No. More... Sorry. Well, my understanding is that not only were they saying, like, if you don't vote this way, yeah. suddenly that school we were talking about might not be available anymore. And also my understanding is that there were some people who were being threatened with um, suddenly, if you vote, don't vote this way, suddenly the Boundary Commission might start oh. shifting out. That oh, is... my God. No. But I think... Whoa, that... So it's one of those odd... So it, as I was saying, it's one of those odd things oh. that, like, I, I, so. Are you are you saying that when the number of Conservative MPs is reduced, <laughs> they may prioritise loyal Tory MPs? Yeah, no, no, all of the no, okay, yes, 
And to some extent, the I oh I'm oh I'm shocked. I'm I, I must go and I must go and sit down and fan myself. Attitude to this is understandable. By the way, never say Simon Locke committed. He literally fanned he himself. He literally did fan himself. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I'm feeling a flush coming on. Um, I, 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 it's all right. I've just cut, I've just cut my payments to my electricity company. <laughs> so I'm quite I'm quite happy about the situation. Also, also, um, and, uh, no, no, let, let Simon know. Cool. Let's. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I think there's like a. It's the you know when sorrows come they come not as single spies but in battalions thing of like it's another way that they're using to chip away at Boris Johnson but also the fact that this is being talked about William Rag is a you know chair of a select committee yeah you younger know. younger than all of us by the way no no he's third I'm not yet thirty four he's older than me oh, anyway. Fuck you. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm also my horse is my horse is fine. He's having some <laughs> but like uh, he doesn't need to be interfered with. But I, <laughs> I'm I'm also not an MP. I'm not also not about to be an MP earning eighty grand a year. So he's still doing yeah. that. Anyway, um, but like the fact that this is this is being it's indicative, I think, of a sort of total breakdown of that kind of keep quiet loyalty that is does kind of make policies because this won't have surely been the first time that William no, Wagg... I mean the thing is I think I think no look I think William Wagg has kind of exposed himself there was a story about this back in October November about the whips doing this and and I think I think um I think he didn't get the response he wanted in terms of the whip stopping doing it. So he's gone public now. Um, sorry, you were saying, Simon? Yeah, just I, I just think it's indicative of of, of, a, of, a, of a complete breakdown of sort of almost trust in, almost trust that they think that this administration in this model is going to be around for a lot longer. And so they feel they can, yeah, they can feel they can use it as a, and can we just please do it's been all over the internet. I'm going to credit it to, um, you know, someone I've met a couple of times and we chat on Twitter a bit, historian Charlotte Lydia Riley, who um, who described William Ragg as Billy Bragg's Wario. It's an excellent, which is a good line. And I, you know. Also, also, listeners, just to, just to put you in mind of the metropolitan bubble in which Simon lives, uh, I, I, I listed parking. Sort of, that doesn't count. Yeah, no. I saw a great tweet from you earlier about all the things you hate about your flat, except the insulation is great because you never had to turn the central heating. Meanwhile, those of us that live in the Arctic North—I mean, it's not. No, no, no. That's not. That's not metropolitan liberal elite. That's just that the one thing that in my cladding-infested flat <laughs> is actually any good is the fact we I've got triple glazed windows. Um, it's just, and it's one of the, yeah. That was just I'm, that was inspired. I'm, I'm, I'm beating, I'm beating away penguins with a stick up here. So. But you are only in a t-shirt, so you know you can't yeah. be that kind. I'm of. in my pajamas, but the heating clicked off like an hour ago. The um, <laughs> sorry, um, I can't. Can you tell it's been a while since I've been into the office. 
Because I'm on the horns of a dilemma, and I'm sure if there are any people from St Andrews, I thought you, I thought you shifted to that seat all awkwardly. Yeah, I'm on the, if there are any people in St Andrews that go in the arts building, I'm sure they're aware of this. On the one hand, it, when I go to work and when I return from work, it's freezing. On the other hand, in my office, it's hot enough to grow bananas, so it's impossible to dress unless you want to wear like sixteen layers of coat. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> and now I've got that off my chest. Did you have anything else to say? So, I, I about four hours ago, I think I was discussing Sorry. politics, and then and then and then we got into my eating situation. Yeah. And then, uh, no, I no, no I don't think so. It's just it's just that you know it's it, it. I think just all of these kind of revelations are just indicative of a government that is not. It's not in control of itself, and it's not really in control of events. Yeah, boy, events. No, I, I, I think, I think the, I think the reality is, uh, if I was a Conservative Party, I would get rid of Johnson because this man, even when things are going well, is an agent of chaos. Um, it, I, I, I would be worried about the damage he could do um, when he's fighting for his life. And I think, you know, mm. Cummins has written this, other people have written this, like he is this, kind of, he has this weird thing. No, kind of like, no, you have Kenji Muta, no, the, the all, no, the, the beloved Japanese wrestler. And then you have great Muta, who has no makeup on his face, spit screen mist. And like the great Muta comes out when Muta has like really big matches when he thinks he's like really in danger. Actually, this would have been better with Kitchen like. But anyway, the point is, um, I think we entered like Boris Johnson's like great Muta Kitchen like a stage. Yeah, sure, sure. So what you're saying is. Boris Johnson, we've had the Bruce Banner version of Boris Johnson, yeah, and now we're about to get the Hulk. Well, look, if you want to use a pop culture reference that more than me knows, yeah, sure, let's use that. Basic. So basic, Luke. <laughs> um, but yes, like I, I would be just be a bit concerned about the damage Johnson can do. I, I think deep down <laughs> what the toy party ideally needs is for Johnson to go of his own accord. Wait, okay, like I'm gonna give like a really big hostage to fortune here. Oh go on. This is why I think there is actually a larger chance than normal. Sue Gray's report forces Johnson out. Because what is no, these reports are always in favor of the establishment. But what is the establishment in this scenario? Is it Isn't Boris that Johnson? Kind of a hat deep state, but... No, yes, no, yes, I... oh, oh, yes, okay. yes. Uh... But, but like Brian Hudson, no, was a judge in Northern Ireland. Oh my god. He found a government innocent of all his crimes. Oh, who could believe it? Sometimes a tinfoil hat is, is worthwhile. 
Um, you know, what does the establishment want? Do they want Boris Johnson still in post, causing chaos, trying to fight the next election? Or do they want Boris Johnson out as soon as possible? The, 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 the simplest thing for everybody but Boris Johnson is Sue Gray basically makes it impossible for him to stay. And that, that I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not even sure I'd say it was 50-50. Like, it may be less than 50% chance, but whereas normally, after being bitten by the Hussman report, bitten by the Butler report, bitten by the Chilcot report, you know, you know, blah, 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 blah. Whereas normally I'd say there was no chance. I think there's a chance. And, like, already, like, this report's been delayed again. She's taken evidence from Dominic Cummins. The briefings have suddenly gotten more nervous from from Downing Street. Um, I, I, you know, this this involves also this involves the monarchy, and like you know, don't don't let anybody fool you. Those fuckers have power in this country, and if they're if like we don't know whether they're they're like taking this in good stride. Or whether they're aff- they're as offended as other people are about what Downing Street was doing the day before Prince Philip's funeral. Um, so, like, I would not rule out the possibility that Sue Gray forces Boris Johnson. If she doesn't, he probably faces the next local elections, and then he's probably okay. Because I think I think people forget, like. It took a lot of different blows to force May out. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot I, of blows in very quick succession. Yes. Well. And, and, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's... And, uh, and like, there was the fear she was going to do something the right did not want her to do. I don't think there's a danger of Johnson being able to do that. So, like, yeah, I... Um, I, 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 I think we all know in the next... The point I'll make, actually, this is the thing. In the next two weeks, something will happen, and, and what I mean by that is, if Johnson survives, that's something. It's not the absence of him moving, being kicked out. If he survives, he survives, and that does change the calculus. And I think this is something that MPs always forget. You know, you delaying getting rid of the prime minister is not you. It's not just you delaying the action. It's the prime minister surviving that makes a prime minister stronger. So yeah, I think it, I, I think even more so than before, this all falls on Sue Gray. I do. I'm, and sorry, I'm, sorry, sorry, one more final thing. If Johnson has to go over this, and this is why he will fight this, I, I've concluded. It will be the greatest personal humiliation. Any British Prime Minister has suffered um, since Spencer Percival got killed. That wasn't a humiliation. Um, Let's not be mean to Spencer, but, you know. <laughs> but, oh, okay. Um, ever. I, I, think, yeah, I think it's not unreasonable to say ever. Had, we have never had a British Prime Minister directly resign because I've been caught out in a scandal. Ironically, the closest is probably Walpole, the first who was kind of convinced to move up into the House of Lords 
because people weren't happy with how he handled patronage. But like, you know, you cannot find, you know, in the 20th century, the 19th century, you cannot find a British Prime Minister who was forced to resign due to scandal. Plenty of Prime Ministers were caught in scandal, particularly in the 19th century, the old Lord, no, Lord Parkinson's court having an affair. Um, oh my God, he'll romp the country. But you've never had a prime minister where the scandal is so great, so serious, so disgusting, he's forced to resign. And that would raise really interesting questions about Boris Johnson's future uh, place in the country. Um, and what I would say to that is, Tony Blair should be very grateful he got his knighthood uh, before this happens, because I think the palace the palace wants to give Brown and May their knighthoods. They they did nothing wrong against the palace, but they knew they couldn't do a deliberate snub until they they couldn't do a deliberate snub to Tony Blair. So they finally gave Tony Blair one, and um, once Prince Philip is, was dead. Would he give Boris Johnson one? If Boris Johnson had, if if this had happened before Tony Blair had got his knighthood, would they say Tony Blair doesn't get one, Boris Johnson doesn't get one, and that that way would be a nonpartisan? Who knows? But um, can I just can I just can I just come yeah. back for a second? I can follow I can follow the logic of all of that, well, but I'm not convinced by it, and here's the reason why. In order for Sue Gray to write a report that lights up Boris Johnson to the extent that's going to be required to either force him to resign or to get enough letters to force a vote no confidence, she's also got to light up half the civil service. Yeah, that well... There is no no way you can... Well, no. no, that's that. No, that's that's almost the argument against, because you say the civil servants were being poorly led by their political masters. No, no one's no one's going to buy that. Why no, not? no, that's no. Why that... not? I think I think most people buy that. I don't think I don't think you know what is it? The man in the uh, what what's the stereotypical example? On the Clapham on the Clapham Omni bus. No, the dog and duck. I don't think someone in a dog and duck. We don't care about your metropolitan London type, Simon. You will vote Labour despite having 25 Tory MPs in Greater London. Um, um, I, I, just, don't think, like, I don't think the ordinary person the cares about the civil servants. At the end of the day, civil servants don't make the laws. Politicians but, make the laws. But, Politicians broke the laws. Can you let me? Can yeah, but, you no, let sorry, me? Yeah, but my, sorry, my point was, is if if Sue Gray is trying to save the civil servants, she has to throw Boris Johnson under the bus because those civil servants are going one way or the other. No, they either they either all get thrown under the bus or they all get exonerated. The Tories are leaking. They they are briefing that they're going to fire everybody they can to save Boris Johnson. Well, I just, I just, I just don't think Gray is going to be able to put together a report that is credible that destroys Boris Johnson without taking a lot of other people down with it. What do you think, Simon? I think I probably agree with Will, 
which is a rare and confusing, you know, but yeah. I think, I think, I think, I, I just think that, you know, if, yeah, uh, the line, and I, st I expect this to be, because the whole point is this report was meant, is meant to be a, just a timeline thing. But if it if 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 she decides she needs to make a judgment call in that way, then it's going to you know the judgment is the judgment call going to say, you know the civil service. It's it, it feels like you know it's about leadership in down. You know it would most likely be leadership in Downing Street. Now I I still think he'll probably I think it'll probably I think it'll be underwhelming because they're always underwhelming. Um, and I think the likely the likelihood will be, you know, there are there are structural problems within the within the you know government of Britain, and there's there's been you know a, a, there's been a, a sense of a bubble, which is all true by the way. Um, but I don't necessarily, you know, but I don't think that 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 is that can easily be deflected away from the prime minister if the prime minister wants to be it to be deflected. Away. I suppose the other, I mean, the other question is whether or not Boris Johnson, like he obviously is not going to want to resign over this because as we pointed out, like this would be a disgrace. But I, I think the question is how long he wants to be prime. Like, does he want to be, as you know, long as he prime, can. Yeah, you, long you think he'll, because I think Boris Johnson, I mean, all politicians care about it, but I think Boris Johnson is a politician who particularly cares about his place in history. And, you know, like you had Theresa May thinking, oh, you know, if, I, you know, if I'm Prime Minister for three years, that means more than if I'm Prime Minister for two years. I, I, I think all politicians succumb to, you know, the long run. You know, something may turn up, something may change. Mm. And like, the reality is, like, for Boris Johnson, something may change. You know, like, he's, he's came, he has, you know, if anybody has the uh, reason to believe he could dig himself out of this hole. It's Boris Johnson, given the situations he has been in. I mean, you got to remember, like, becoming mayor of London, that was meant to, like, send him to Siberia because he was a nuisance. That was not meant to be his stepping stone to the premiership. Yeah. So anyway. Seems like a good place to wrap up. Well, I was about to say, I think what we've said is it's a situation of contrasts. And... Boris Johnson has a multitude of problems. Um, he may go, he may stay, he may triumph, he may implode. But whatever so happens. What so, what we're saying is something will happen. Tune into the next episode to find out what. Yes, it is, it is very much like that. I mean, dun 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 I, dun 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 dun. I think what we can all say is. The next week will be just as shambolic as the last. Mm. Oh, it's history. It's just one thing after another. And uh, it, it's so it, politics is is social events. Social events, dear boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a line I took off Twitter. My response to it was: "As uh, seven bottles is a long is, is a long is, is a long <laughs> Friday in politics." <laughs> Very good. Um, and on that note, I've been Will Cooley. He's been Dr. Luke Midup. He's been Simon Alvey. We'll talk to you again in a while.